0: I'm the CEO of the Atlas Society and some of you may know we've been doing these Ask the Atlas Society uh, with our student partner organizations. But then I thought, well, what about the Atlas Society Asks? Um, Because, you know, we don't have all the answers and we've got a lot of really great smart friends as part of our community. So I thought, gee, maybe I'll just not do so much talking and I'll ask somebody really, really smart, smarter than me on a lot of things, especially when it comes to taxes and regulations. And that is my old friend, Grover Norquist. Hey, Grover.
1: Hey, Jennifer, good to see you.
0: Good to see you too. I can't believe it's like uh, the last time we saw each other was like three weeks ago and this whole entire world has has changed. It has. um, Now, I know who you are, we've known each other for longer than uh, either of us would care to admit, but tell us a little bit about the the Americans for Tax Reform, what it is, how it got started, what it does, and what you do. Sure. Uh, In
1: 1986, President Reagan was looking to pass his second significant tax reform uh, where the top rates went, we had two rates at the end of that, 15 and 28, a lot better than where we are now. Uh, in terms of tax rates, not as low as we need to get to, but a good start. Uh, And so he asked me to set up Americans for Tax Reform uh, as the outside group. I was not part of the government. I was doing political work in general uh, for taxpayer issues and uh, size of government issues, liberty issues. And so we set up Americans for Tax Reform, and we helped push to get that legislation passed. But in doing so, we came up with an important innovation. And that was the creation of the Taxpayer Protection Pledge. And uh, we asked, we got 100 congressmen and 20 senators that year to sign a pledge to the American people, not to me, as President Obama liked to say, but to the American people, that they would never vote for a tax increase. Uh, and then that number grew to be about 200 in the House and 40 in the Senate. So we have 90% uh, of all the Republicans in the House and 90% of all the Republicans in the Senate have signed that pledge and kept it. Uh, there has not been a tax increase uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, unless the, since 1990 uh, before the ple- uh, when the Bush broke the pledge and then lost the election. And everybody learned from Bush losing the election, don't break the pledge. Uh, and yeah. so people tend to keep it when they Uh, say they're not going to raise taxes, and the only tax hikes we've had since then were in the first two years of Clinton, when there was a Democrat Congress complete control, and the first two years of Obama, after which the Democrats lost the House, and in one case, the House and the Senate immediately after. So the power of the tax issue goes back to um, the war with Britain, to Mm -hmm. the Civil War, to a lot of the big moments in American history where taxes, tariffs were a huge part of people's reaction to too much government. So,
0: uh, Grover, you know, I I stalk you on social media. Um, I stalk you on Google Alerts. I call you all the time. And um, uh, you're always in the news. But, you know, your Google Alert is just kind of exploded recently. And, um, you know, a, a lot of it is people as you're a lightning rod, you know, and people are, are saying, hey, he's the guy, you know, who said uh, the, th- that we wanted to shrink government down to the size where we could drown it in the bathtub and this and that. And, you know, it, it, it the, this libertarian agenda, smaller government, you know, uh, advocates of smaller government is what has contributed to the, uh, the Coronavirus epidemic. Um, what's, what's your, what's your response to that?
1: Well a couple of things, first of all, the left always the, the the advocates of bigger government, statism, the left but but peop, statists, people who think the government should have more power and people should have fewer options and less control over their lives. they believe that God, or maybe not God, but somebody, made crises to expand the state, and that when there 's a crisis, it must mean the government should get bigger uh, and there interestingly been challenged on this crisis because their first assertion uh, that the government is so teeny that it couldn't do anything about this. I think if you look at the size of federal spending, the size of federal employment, the size of the agencies that are directly tasked for this, they're quite large. In fact, too large and too powerful and too fat to be nimble and quick and get things done on time to save lives. And what we found with the coronavirus is that both the FDA and the CDC, the White House, the federal government, and the 50 states have all discovered that government regulations and government rules have slowed down their ability to get things done. The FDA had all sorts of rules, and the CDC, that only they could look for a cure of X, Y, or Z, and only their testing was any good. And uh, the president said no, and he State health group can come up with tests, uh, and let's get going and have many people looking in different directions. And the private sector can, uh, and the and they, the the private sector is doing the delivery of the goods and services that need to get out there: the masks, the uh, the respirators, and so on. Much to the chagrin of the Democrats, who want the military to do all this stuff or set up an agency. You know, we have a temporary challenge that's going to show up from time to time, and they want to set up a permanent. Bureaucracy uh, that would forever be looking for new things to do. So we've actually seen states end their certificates of need, which was a stupid, destructive uh, regulation. It's in 35 states It said you have to get you have to go to the government and get a mother may I permission to have another hospital bed or expand your hospital or to get new technology. Because in the old days, the government reimbursed hospitals based on how many beds they had. So people would go make more beds. Uh, now they go and 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 will get you money and pay for actual things done in a hospital, like an operation or care. So you can have as many hospital beds as you want. The federal government's not on the hook. State government's not on the hook to pay you uh, per hospital bed. So those old rules, which we're trying to make up for the previous government mistake, are now destructive. And you saw New York, which had been reducing its hospital beds go, hey, how come we have so few hospital beds? Because government regulations drove that. So get rid of those rules. Uh, When doctors cross state lines, they can't necessarily be a doctor or a registered nurse uh, in some other state. State by state, people are saying, hey, we would like doctors, we would like nurses. And by the way, if your doctor's license ran out in the last two years, we still say you're cool, your license is still good. Uh, you don't have to go out and fill out forms again or go back to college or take remedial reading or whatever it is that they do to make you get your license renewed. So we have found that all the progress we've made on fighting coronavirus, the coronavirus has been in reducing the rules and the regulations and uh, setting them aside uh, there, there was a rule in Texas that if you wanted, you, you couldn't carry liquor or alcohol and groceries on the same truck to go somewhere. Well, what do you make Purell and hand sanitizer out of alcohol? So they scrapped that rule. Uh, they had a rule, you had to fill out all these forms if you were a truck driver that the federal government's trying to get rid of permanently, but they just said for purposes of getting things to hospitals, forget about that federal rule. Just It's gone for right now. So. This has been an instructive crisis where people are seeing that the FDA delays new drugs, makes it difficult to get vaccines quickly because of all the rules and regulations they come up, the precautionary principle, let's take no risks. Uh, And we may end up on the other side of this terrible virus with a recognition that we need to completely deregulate much of the hospital industry and much of what doctors do and, simp- and make it easier for people to move from state to state as a doctor, for crying out loud. And tele- telemedicine, illegal in a lot of places, very difficult to uh, get permission, why right? you need permission to do telemedicine. And now people are realizing, you know, rather than fly on planes to go talk to people who have viruses, how about talking to them on television, on video? You, you know, you can now send your your uh, your vitals online to a doctor.
0: Yeah, I, my dad um, works at UCSF, uh, University of California, San Francisco, and he's been t- telemedicine 24/7 um, throughout this uh, throughout this crisis. So, um, and then of course we have the people that want to uh, never. Let a good crisis uh, go to waste. Um, tell us a little bit about the stimulus um, package. I mean, the government has not shrunk in these past, you know, yeah. couple weeks. It has what doubled in, in in the size. Anything good in in that bill? What's the worst thing in the bill? What?
1: Okay, what the good they- bits are all the horrible things that aren't in it, um, and everything that you would have expected. Nancy Pelosi uh, and Schumer, both of whom can veto any bill since you need, you, you could filibuster in the Senate and uh, Nancy Pelosi holds the majority in the House. So it's not as if Trump says, I need three things. They go, oh, you may need three things, but we want 10 things stuck inside those three. And it is very difficult to avoid having uh, very destructive uh, well, they, they view the bill to compensate people who've lost their jobs because the government shut the economy down. This is not a problem caused by the virus. This is the reaction to the virus. This is the government saying you can't go to a bar, you can't go to a restaurant, you can't be on a plane, you can't go to work. Um, and that shut down a good chunk of the economy. A lot of the economy is still working video and phone and so on, uh, but not everything can, can function that way and so the government in its infinite wisdom uh has shut down much of the economic engine of the united states and people through no fault of their own businesses through no fault of their own that you know the restaurant didn't make a mistake they didn't do something wrong they didn't deserve to go bankrupt uh this was the government stepping on top of people's lives their businesses their ability to take care of their own family and so now the government says okay well we'll give you some money to reduce the damage so you can pay rent, maybe keep hiring people uh, or keep people on. So to the extent you're doing that, you're not creating a new government agency. You're not raising a tax that will be raising money a hundred years from now and nobody will remember why or where that tax came from. Uh, But now it'll be funding other new different things. So we don't appear to be getting much permanent damage Permanent new government structures inside the stimulus package. It's not a stimulus package, it doesn't stimulate anything. Taking a dollar from one person and giving it to somebody else, or even from the future, it doesn't stimulate anything. We're just helping the government is making people somewhat whole because the government punched them in the head and killed their job or reduced the value of their business. Uh, the sooner we get on the other side of this and have less regulation and more tax reduction and spending reduction, then we can get the economy growing again. But the most important thing is when we get past the danger zone of having everybody get the virus, um, reopening the economy as rapidly as we can, consistent with public health.
0: So speaking of being shut down, because I know when you know we're under normal conditions, you're always on the go you're always on a plane you're you know five different places at once um and so tell us what life has been like for you in at the norquist family and like what's a daily what's going on with the kids and
1: what's your i got an 11 year old and a 12 year old they're home they do their work on the computer i'm not sure how the public schools are going to justify um how much money we spend on some of those buildings and how much money we spend on non-teacher salaries which is about almost half in some cases, uh, when people realize you can do a lot of this online. Uh, I do think you'll see more homeschooling. Not everybody's yeah. up for that, but it's about 2 million people homeschool two months ago. <laughs> now, <laughs> tens of millions of people are K through 12 are homeschooling. Can Harvard really charge as much as they've been charging when you realize you can get most of the education bit of that uh, online? How, mu- how much more... Will there be online competitive new schools starting up? I'd like Microsoft to start one up. Uh, you know, let, let's let's get some of this wisdom that exists in the private sector and go straight to students and to families. So uh, certainly, the, my two kids, 11 and 12, uh, are doing all their work online, getting the work done at their own pace, uh, not distracted by a bunch of peers, you know, kicking them from either side of the. Uh, table, um, they're actually able to work directly with the work itself, sometimes with a teacher and sometimes with other people uh, online uh, with you. So that's actually been quite interesting. Uh, And uh, I actually work in my office, which is a two mile walk from home because everybody else at Americans for Tax Home is home. So I am quarantined in my office and I get a walk in the morning and in the evening.
0: Well, that sounds great um, because I think walking and staying active and getting some exercise is really important in terms of you know, keeping, keeping immunity up. So that is our physical immunity, okay. But of course, we also need our spiritual immunity. We need our mental inoculation to these other viruses that have been with us you know, forever. And those are the viruses of envy, of victimhood, of entitlement, of helplessness, uh, of greed, as Ayn Rand properly described, um, the desire for the unearned, and what inoculated me uh, at an early age was uh, reading Ayn Rand. And so, you know, our um, our interest and passion for the, the foundational moral defense of capitalism is something that we share, as as well as an appreciation for for Atlas Shrugged and all of of the great books by Ayn Rand. Tell us a little bit about your Ayn Rand origin story. Yeah. And why it's relevant today. What, you know, what, how her books are relating
1: to what we're seeing happening right now. Well, Ayn Rand is probably the most widely read uh, freedom writer today, still uh, on an annual basis. I don't know that even newly written books that proclaim freedom or a book that I've written uh, comes anywhere close to what Ayn Rand's novels uh, and other books sell today, never mind during her lifetime. Uh, the, I had an interesting uh, relationship with uh, Rand and her writings. Um, I sat down and read The um, We the Living and then The Fountainhead and then Atlas Shrugged after I got tired of people telling me that I was a Randian and that I must be one of those people that read. All these books. And so I I went out and got them. And I said, oh, this is very, very good stuff. So um, I had sort of figured out good chunks of this uh, on my own. But uh, Rand's writings are just so helpful uh, as novels, as as well as the uh, straight political, theolog- uh, theoretical writings um, in explaining it to people and recognizing that, you know greed and the desire, I mean, the left, or the the advocates of statism, people who want to run other people's lives, um, they think that it's greedy for you to want to keep what you have created. Greed is wanting to take away from somebody else something they created. Greed is wanting something without earning it. And that's the purpose of government in their view. The government should go take things from people who created them and give it to, oh, me or my friends. Uh, and it, it, Because frankly, we're too lazy to become muggers or you know, competent shoplifters or embezzlers. Uh, you know There are honest thieves out there who go steal the money themselves. Uh, but somehow the greed lobby uh, wants to be considered virtuous by incurring the gov- encouraging the government to go take money from other people and spending it as they want it spent Um, often on them or on things they like. Uh, It is very, very interesting to see um, every new generation come into grips with the idea that stuff isn't free, things are created, businesses are created, um, and that the whole goal of a civilized life and world is to let people be free to do what they want. They can go be monks if they want and sit on a mountaintop or they can create, uh, steel mills. Uh, and you know what, that's their business. And if you're not interested in doing anything interesting, well, I mean, everybody's interested in doing something interesting. They just have different ideas of what's interesting. You just don't get to tell everybody else what to do. That's right.
0: And that people, the idea that people own their own lives. Um, That's not a bad
1: starting place. Huh? That's not a bad starting place. You own your own life. Right, you
0: know, and you don't have a right to other people's lives, so. Yeah. Foundational principles that, uh, that help us um, defend the, the kinds of policies um, and the pledge that you are promoting at American Tax Reform, which is so important. Grover, thank you for, for your time today. Thank you for your friendship over the years. And thank you for your example of your optimism and your cheerfulness um you're just you're an inspiration to me and and to so many so it was really great to be able to have well
1: thank you final thought government yeah. creates wealth the way ticks create blood <laughs> that's that's true um
0: that's we, we mean that and we'll meme it again so all right well thanks Grover and um thank you say uh, stay safe free and benevolent you too bye